Hello, my name is Poonam and welcome to Crew Chats Podcast where I speak to the people that work behind the scenes in film, TV and theatre. Today's episode is slightly different. I spoke to assistant costume designer Charlotte Sewell and costume designer Molly Emma Rowe. Both Charlotte and Molly are on the costume and wardrobe branch committee of BEC2. BEC2 is the trade union supporting UK staff and freelancers working in the media and entertainment sectors. I spoke to them about the strikes going on in America, the impact here in the UK and the importance of unions and how they can help you. We mentioned acronyms for the unions and I have put the definitions in the show notes. For reference, as we spoke about negotiations beginning again, the date we spoke was 11th of August. Hi, Charlotte, and hi, Molly. Hi, Puna. Um, thank you for taking the time to speak to me. I've done a little introduction about uh, what our conversation is today, but would you just both introduce yourselves and let us know what you do in the industry in the UK, please? Charlotte, I'll let you go first. <laughs> well, my job is um, I'm an assistant costume designer. I have been a supervisor um, but now, currently, for the last few years, I've been an assistant designer. I've been chair of the costume branch of um, London production division of Beck2 for 10 years, God help me. Oh. Um, and I was on the committee before that, I know, 10 years. That's basically me. Lovely. Yep. And Molly? Uh, I'm a costume designer uh, for film and TV, so I, I do both. I like to do one then the other and remind myself which I prefer um, <laughs> on a cycle. Um, and I sit on the uh, the costume and wardrobe branch committee as well. I, I was trying to think how long I, it's it's been. It's been quite a while now, I think. But, um... It's been a while. And also Molly's been um, a negotiator as well for the television drama and will now be going on to doing film negotiating. Oh. And I do a bit of everything. <laughs> oh, how interesting. I do actually have a question about negotiating a bit later on. But you, you both mentioned what your roles are um, at Beck2. Um, what is Beck2? If you could, one of the, I don't know which one of you wants to take that question, but what is Beck2? Well, it's the, it's the union that um, represents um, television, theatre and any workers in the entertainment industry. There are others because we are now part of a bigger union called Prospect. But BEC2 stands for Broadcast Entertainment. It was communi- it's, it was cinematography. Then it changed to communication. And I think it's changing back again. Okay. Theatre Union. I think okay. it's <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> that out, the chair of the costume branch can't remember what BEC2 stands for. <laughs> You'll be forgiven. Because we, we like to think the C stands for costume. So I think I agree. I think it should do <laughs> if it doesn't. <laughs> It basically represents the the film, TV, theatre, and all live events, uh, even people that work in museums, even telecommunications. And it helps to, it basically is a support for crew because we don't have anything else. To be fair, we've we've got Facebook and social media, but they ain't going to change anything. They have a place to vent, but they won't support you. If I always say, like, if I have people in a room, I say, you insure your car, right? You're not expecting to have an accident, but you insure it. Yeah. You insure it because it's law, but it's protection. And I always say that's the same for us. We are a freelance worker. We are our biggest tool of the trade. Why not protect ourselves? Basically, we had our biggest influx of people when COVID happened because it was like, oh my God, what, what do I do? And, and now we've got another problem with the strikes, but the so I think it's if, you, for example, if you were fired, if you suddenly have a dodgy employer who's not going to pay you that what you're owed, you've got someone you can go to and say, help. And you can have somebody official wading in on your behalf. And even just suddenly a phone call from the union can often 
push people into going, oh, yeah, sorry, here's your money or whatever. So or it can go right up to proper legal aid and um, and support for mental health. There's a gazillion things, but those really are the main things. It's support um, for if something goes wrong. We also do it as a support for each other. I think I started because I got cross about how we were treated as a department. And then we all sort of started to get together and get costume as a sort of social network to say, don't undercut each other, support each other. That's really for me what a union means. I'm not, we're not all about necessarily going out on strike, although that's what's happening in the States. We're about support, we're about a connection, we're about making us literally stronger together because with one voice you can get something done. With lots of voices all over the place, nothing gets done. And we've and we've 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 have galvanized change. It's not perfect, but I feel that we've got somewhere. And I believe in I believe in a union for that for that reason. And I'm yeah. going to shut up now and let Molly speak. No, 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 that was completely, no, you were completely right. It could be Molly. Did you have any, I think you wanted to add? Um, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I agree with Charlotte. I come from, um, I come from a kind of union family. My grandfather um, started uh, a union for stewards and stewardesses uh, a very, very long time ago. And his kind of first, the first thing that they did was, was get female uh stewards paid the same as male you know so this is sort of where (laughs) where I've I've kind of come from so I've always been very kind of aware and educated about what what the purpose of a union is and 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 you know how it can help you and how it can support you and I think you know I I I think um the UK has really suffered from the dismantling of of unions and I think that that means that in the uh, kind of younger generation there's maybe a little less understanding about Mm. what a union is and you know it became a very kind of negative thing in in the press and I think it's a very very powerful tool actually and I think we're seeing that um, you know with with the strikes in the states and I think you know we would love to have more um more power and and more say in the UK and the only way that you can do that is to have a big union membership you know because then you're one voice kind of all all together and if it's thousands of people saying the same thing then you will be listened to as you you know as opposed to just kind of you on the phone kind of you know and and it takes some of the emotion away I think when you can do something as a whole Mm -hmm. rather than as an individual so I I think it's very very beneficial and I'm you know I I hope that this very kind of uncertain unsettling time at least maybe creates a kind of more of an understanding about what what we could do and what we could be in the UK as well to, to help each other um, and to, to and to support each other through times like this and to, you know as, as Charlotte's mentioned a couple of other other things I know that sometimes um, I know a few people who have had the union has has helped them get expenses that that they were owed from budgets for films that have gone under and things like that and I think you know there's a huge practical reason as 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 to what the union can do for you as as well as just kind of not feeling like you're on your own which to me is kind of the most important thing I think when I joined the day I joined Beck 2 I think I also 
committee. So it was kind uh, of all in very, um, you know, <laughs> from, from the beginning. But actually for the first time for me in the, working in TV and film, because I, I came, I was a stylist before, I felt like I wasn't on my own and it really it really meant something. It, it, it gave me a lot more confidence. And I think that that's something Charlotte's been absolutely incredible at driving is breaking down those barriers of not speaking to each other. And, you know, the, the more that people can talk to each other, you know, the more information you have, knowledge is power, that, you know, that kind of thing. And I think Charlotte's really been at the forefront within the costume crew of of sort of getting us all together and getting us all talking and 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 I think it's really I think it's really important and I'm sure it's just going to grow and grow and grow to our benefit. Thank you I completely agree with both of you and actually what would you say to people who are anti-union I know you kind of both touched upon it um there but what would because there's a lot of that sentiment around I think. It's difficult because I think a lot of people are very entrenched and how they feel about the union and I think a lot of people have an idea of the union that isn't necessarily the actual reality because the amount of times that you know like for example we have our own costume website because it's a little bit more friendly it's also got all her faces on it I think it's giving a face to the union Mm. and I think people have said oh I've called the union and I got no response and it feels very faceless it's a bit like saying production it's the union so We've tried to put faces to it so that we set up our own uh, email address so that we knew that the minute the emails came in, our amazing secretary, Polly, and um, would always answer it so that you always got an answer. It always got dialed up. And I think it's about people don't understand it when we say, but the union's you and mm. me, but it is. It's just the officials are there because we need them to sort of constantly do things that we ask all the time. Not saying it's always going to be what we want, but it's always going to be things are going to be always cooking. But we can only have as many officials as there are amount of people membership because the membership pays for the officials. Mm. So what we're fighting for is we are we are the people that are on the floor, the union. That's what we are. So the people that sit on the costume branch, costume designers, supervisors, standbys, textile artists prop model makers we're all of those things the same for culture for props makeup they're all individuals fully well they were fully working up until a few weeks ago but they and they put their own time in because they feel so strongly about the terms and conditions of the greater good and I think it's that's what it is it's we are only as good as the people that are members with us um, and we and it's a huge responsibility. Molly and I have both been in the room negotiating for television drama. I've been there for film, along with you know other people who are amazing like Nikki Young. But it's like the few are fighting for the for many. huge yeah. amount of people out there, and it's an enormous responsibility because you've got their best interests at heart. And unless you're in it, you can't, you haven't got an opinion. It's like you can't you can't say the country's being run badly if you're not voting and i think it's the same with the union it's just a smaller version yeah yeah i mean i think to echo everything that charlotte said as well i also think one of the the great strengths is that it's all the different departments coming together to help each other um mm-hmm. you know so we'll be sat in a room with uh sparks and makeup and uh, production and accounts you know and we're all kind of and I think sometimes you know we all have different priorities but we're trying to hey. get an agreement 
that suits everybody, which is very, very difficult. Yeah. That's, you know, that's kind of what the negotiation process is, is you kind of put forward, this is what we, this is what we, we kind of have to negotiate within ourselves first, you know, as to what Beck 2's priorities are, as in what, what kind of helps as many crew as possible and what the different branches priorities are. And I think the difference with this with America is that obviously the unions are very separate. I suppose IATSE is actually more like Beck 2, isn't it? That it's it's a mix of all of the below the line kind of branches and all of their creatives. I think it's a very interesting situation whereby the spotlight is on the writers who are by themselves, the actors who are by themselves, and the directors recently had a contract um, renegotiated as well. But then everybody else is in a union together. So actually the priorities of the costume workers are not necessarily the same as the priorities of uh, the camera department. Mm. And I think, you know, it, it, it becomes very, very complicated for us to try and navigate all of those crews best interests into one document it's really it's really really hard and I think you know it's a testament to to everybody that puts in all of all of their time you know voluntarily to kind of debate within ourselves before we're even in front of the producers as as to what you know what we can do and what we can achieve together. I know you did touch upon it just in this just a second ago Molly is that to the best of both your knowledges, knowledge. What are the strikes in America about at the moment between the writers and the actors? If you could summarise, I know it's quite a big topic. Well, it's. I mean, they're renewing a contract for a start, which they all were because it runs out after three years. And I think the the landscape of television, how it's made, especially television rather than film, yeah, yeah. Uh, has changed with the streamers. Yeah. Uh, the streamers work in a very different way. It's just the structures have sort of stopped actors really earning a decent wage. And I don't mean the Tom Cruises of this world. We mean the you's and I's of of this world. That's why the bigger actors are out on strike with them, because they give greater weight, because them not turning up on a red carpet, them not turning up on a Saturday Night Live is a big deal, Mm. not X, Y and Z or, you know, Orange is the Only Black. Famously, one of the actresses in that, she can't, she has to take a bar job because she can't afford to be acting just on her own and they can't meet the health insurance, which oh, is wow. what, I think 20, 23,000 a year or 25. I can't remember. I've got it on my notes somewhere. They're not meeting their health insurance. So they're not getting their health insurance because they're not earning enough money and they often get their money from residuals. So it's this, it's a big sticking point for them. So that, and it's not them being greedy. I think that's what the the mistake people are making is that it's greed. It's not. It's actually staying alive and doing the job you want to do. Um, And also there's the sticking point of AI for actors, background actors, that they can buy your image and then literally use it wherever they want. And it means one scan that's it. That would mean no makeup, no costume, no locations, no ADs, because they'd be scanned, they'd be done, they'd be used. So there's knock-on effect to, there's a fight that also will be fighting on our behalf as well. So it's, I think it's two things, it's residuals and AI, and also trying to get terms and conditions that will reflect how TV is now made with, with 
with the streamers? Um, I I think the kind of quote on unquote AI discussion is very, very interesting because I think it's sometimes it's being a little bit mixed up with VFX as well as a, as a concept, oh, yeah. which we already do, of course. So, for example, when I uh, when I did The Last Kingdom, we would dress 150 um, Mercian warriors and then we would do the fight scene with those and then VFX would scan those figures um, so Brand they would be in costume, hair and makeup, and they would kind of take photos and do it against a green screen so they could create a little kind of digital version of that person. And they would do that and then they could replicate that person to make the army 10,000, for example. Now, obviously, we couldn't, we would never have the um, the ability, the budget, the people power to dress hair make I mean how long it would it take to get yeah. 10,000 people so in some ways it is something that we're very used to doing and I think the argument is getting a little conflated however the point is is that we're we're allowing that that replication to happen for one scene one specific scene not to then be used in perpetuity on anything and I think that's really really important because it's also it's our creative rights you, you know I, I know as a costume designer we already um, contractually very standard contract is to sign any creative rights for that project is signed over to the production in perpetuity so on any production that I would costume design I don't own any of my drawings I don't own any of those designs that's okay when it's just for that project yeah. but if that information and and that talent and that creativity that belongs to so many people is then kind of stored and used at will then there's a huge problem and i think what the discussion needs to become is how can we use this new technology to benefit us all rather than kind of being frightened about this sort of eventuality that we don't know if it is what it is, but actually we'll talk together about how, you know, is is there a way that we can use this technology to become more sustainable in the film industry? Is there a way that it could help us with our working hours? You know, it would be fantastic if there was a way to use all of this new technology to help us have a better work-life balance or give us the freedom to have more input creatively into projects rather than having to deal with things that kind of overtake our working day, you know. And I, I think there's a conversation to be had that's much more productive. And I've sort of strayed off what the strikes are about. I'm sorry. No, that. no, no. It's really interesting, actually, because the AI, the AI thing is the thing that hits the headlines. And it's easy to just read that bit. And then kind of, like you said, sort of get, well, we already have VFX. I'm sure they already use CG, you know, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to hear your take on that, actually. And then AI for the writers. So, yeah. you know, chat and other similar places you know you can put in you've done what six series of I don't know Killing Eve and you put down you say right we want her to kill blah, 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 put it all in 
bang, six episodes are out with no input from the original writers. Mm. So that that's where this all started. It started with the writers. The writers went out in May because of this and that they're getting absolutely zero money and they're, they're, they're concerned for their future. So what they're wanting to put in is safeguarding. AI, it isn't going away. And anybody who's got half a brain is knowing it's going to be used for good and it's going to be used for mm. bad. So it's just about, it's like any terms and conditions, like with TV, drama and film. We try to put some some baselines in so that us, the people, don't get completely shifted. And I think that's what the actors and the writers are doing. They're trying to get in some decent yes. terms and conditions So because we all know what the streamers are like. They are... They're tech companies. Let's, you know, they're going to just, they want their shares to rise. They want their subscriptions. They don't even tell you, Netflix don't even tell you how many people are watching anything. They don't have to tell you. You know, you're up against some serious bods here. So the artists are the least important in that they are literally like an advertising revenue for them. They're like, oh, look, blah, blah, blah. So we can have more subscriptions. That's what it's about. So it's about the writers and the actors being clever and going, right, let's get some basic terms and conditions and that, that we can live with. They're not well, asking for the world. Yeah. It, well, it's not to be taken advantage of, isn't it? It's safeguarding. And that's what it is. It's we can't We can't avoid AI. We can't avoid the platforms changing, but it's it's safeguarding. And support and just keep it. I mean, those actors don't want to go out and strike. Believe you me, the summer is the busiest time yeah. for any actor. They don't want to be pulled off the red carpet. They've just all got their dresses organized. I mean, they they literally don't. They're they're so our lot was so depressed, but they had to do it because they felt strongly. So it's definitely uh of been a really good example of how intrinsically linked we all are as well you know everybody that makes a production that creates a production is intrinsically linked and these kind of safeguarding measures that go in will then be copied into the crew contracts they will kind of come over so any wins that any separate union receives then gets to benefit everybody else so you know, we we are all fighting together, even though it seems very kind of se- separate. Strikes and there are casualties and we are the casualties. And unfortunately, yeah. you know, crew are going to feel completely shafted because, especially in this country, because they'll be like, but I haven't done anything. You know, why is all the actors striking over there ruining my life? We totally understand that and we we get it. And it and it's bloody hard. We know that. And it, it's playing the long game. And I think that is it's who's going to win. It's it's who's going to get in first in the long game, you know. Writers and writers and you've got the amtp whatever they are producers how long is there a limit to how long they can strike for out of curiosity no i don't think so. well the writers well, I hit lost 100 the... days yesterday or the day before i think um i believe that they that today actually friday um i'm in la so la time today, <laughs> um that they're gonna go the the writers guild are going to go back into the room today with the producers as, as far as i'm aware i read that as well i think what's very frustrating is it doesn't seem like anyone's talking to each other so how are we ever going to Resolution. get anywhere unless people are talking to each other? Now, obviously, there needs to be a period of time whereby everyone's kind of putting their flag in the sand, I suppose, to kind of, to kind of no, 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 we're serious about this. Yeah, well, so are we. And there's a bit of that kind of standoff. But actually, ultimately, I think all of the crew 
all of the actors, all of the everybody that works in our world needs to see that they're both sides are trying to have meaningful conversations because, you know, a negotiation is is exactly that. You write a list of what you want and you present it. And then, and nobody in the history of any time ever has gone, okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's when you go <laughs> through, nice? even from just uh, doing your deal with a line producer, the negotiation is is a process of, of backwards and forwards. And I think we're at the point whereby, certainly with the writers, because as I say, it's it's been a hundred days, we need to see that both sides are are. are kind of talk, talking to each other because what does everybody want if we're not having a discussion to, to kind of further the process I suppose so I think the restarting of any kind of discussion is very very positive and I I think that that should be kind of helpful for, for crews to, to see happening because just people striking and the studios not talking it, 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 that that's not helpful to anybody you know we're never going to get anywhere if if that's the case so i'm hoping that we kind of it just feels a bit more positive when Com- when discussions restart definitely i know obviously back to stand in solidarity with the strikes that are going on um but you both mentioned it's been kind of it's been really really hot harsh to the industry here I can't use a better it's kind of shut down our industry for want of a better word in this country in the UK um yes of course the writers and the actors are striking but you know there's costume camera hair and makeup essays catering you know locations you know people the sets that you go to the people that would have benefited from money that would have been given to them if people were filming there etc there's there's so I think this is also the thing that people don't always realize there's so many different people involved in a production whether it's film or tv and they can kind of be forgotten slightly um from conversations you guys have had how has it affected crew in this country as when um, we've we've run a survey as the department as a branch it's been sent out to members but it's also on our instagram asking these questions and so i've had able to have a sort of look at it and it's had of course the people who are affected it's has pretty catastrophic for a lot of people because mm. Summer's very busy. Um, you always depend on the summer. Um, and I think the actor's strike probably blindsided people a bit. They knew about the writer's strike, but I think the actors came in and suddenly it was like, oh, my God. We sort of knew it was coming, but I think it blindsided people a bit. And they were shut down like within a day. Yeah. Some within a week. Some continued. Some, I think productions were scrabbling desperately to try and do something that they could without the actors. You know, can we use the background? Can we do doubles? Do we, what do we do? So I think they also weren't particularly prepared. And I think there are certain productions, of course, that will continue because they're British mm. or they can, actors can run on their equity card rather than SAG. Waivers are being signed. So for low independent productions, they can sign a waiver, which means they have to agree to the SAG-AFRA rules. This is for the SAG-AFRA people and they can sign a waiver. So for example, an actor here who's on a, maybe a lower production, Lower, but it, you know, not like gazillions um, where, where everyone's SAG. It means they can have a waiver, but they've got to agree to to the to the conditions, and they have. So some of the waivers have been signed, right, okay. which is interesting because it's a sort of you know, okay, look, if the smaller productions can do it, why can't Netflix, and Disney? So uh, things, all these soaps will still run. Um, some of the reality, t- so things, not everything's shut down. You know, it's it isn't everything, but it's a significant amount. 
significant. And it's mostly Bantu TV, which is massive in this country, and high-end um, film. And mostly it's financial. People are incredibly worried because they've got mortgages. Yeah. Some people are the main breadwinner, you know, childcare, the kids are on holiday. You know, it's taking kids on holiday. There, there's It's all sorts. And a lot of the younger ones, I think, are finding it very stressful because they've never been out of work. I came into the industry when it was catastrophic in the 90s. There was no work. But people now are coming in and doing Star Wars. And, you know, you're like, back oh, to my back. God. Yeah. Yes. I think that's very hard. Yeah. Because they don't know. Yeah, so, it's very true. Financially is bad. I mean, financially, you can go and find a bar job or maybe retail if you're really struck. But but mentally, it can be really you know hard affects you yeah of course I think um, Molly you did mention that um there's kind of rumors of them uh, opening up being open to negotiations now again but from your knowledge do you see a resolution in sight and in both your opinions what do you think will be the long-term impact of these strikes so I think that there's definitely a couple of things like for example there was kind of a deadline a couple of weeks ago for features that were being shot in the UK that were fitting into the kind of June July until December slot so a couple of weeks ago it was the sort of cutoff point that that there wouldn't be enough time to prep to shoot to be out by Christmas so there's a lot of productions a lot of films that were in that time frame that now cannot be shot this year, even if everyone starts work again on Monday. So then I think the question is, do all of the studios kind of unanimously decide to push all of the projects together so that then they still go in order? Because the the problem usually is... (laughs) actor availability so if an actor's if an actor was supposed to be on a film here from July to December and then they were going on to their next project in January I guess the question is does the January project agree to go down the line so everyone still goes in order or do the projects from this year then have to find a window in the future to be able to happen so I think that's that's one thing that's quite concerning and I, I you know I don't fully understand the kind of seasonal blocks and why we couldn't start prepping and then just shoot it you know shoot it either side of Christmas or, or whatever but yeah. there is definitely a, a, a I don't know Charlotte do you know I don't really I think if you miss your window you sort of miss your window and I think they'll be scrabbling to probably <laughs> slot things where they possibly can. We're built on momentum as well. We're built on sort of momentum and timing, like for example, you know, Bridget Jones or something like that, that you have your slot with your actor, then you lose slot with your actor and you're like, but maybe because of all the other things that are coming, you know, it might be that things will shift. I don't think there's any particular pattern. I think it will be producers desperate to get their films and television programs made and they will do anything to get them slotted in and we'll probably be back in the situation of too many productions and not enough crew like we did with covid so i don't know i mean i think the resolution will come because you can't be out forever because people are desperate for entertainment and they want it but when that will be we don't have that much answer (laughs) i mean i think Mentioning the producers is really interesting because, you know, producers kind of (laughs) get sort of put with the 
with the kind of studios, whereas actually, you know, a lot of the producers are freelance UK crew who also now are out of work and they have been working to get a project up and running and greenlit and to crew up. And now, for what? Yeah, (laughs) and for all of those kind of stars to align, you know, it's a really amazing job that a lot of producers do to get the right people in the right place at the right time, you know, and all of those dynamics. And they've kind of been working to do that for this sort of, you know, June, July to Christmas run. And now what happens to their project, you know? And I think it's really important to kind of think about those producers as crew rather than w- with the production, you know, this yeah. kind of entity that that's the um, enemy, I suppose. I was going to say enemy, but I wasn't too sure if it was too strong a word. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> um, but, you know, most of them are, well, all of them are in the same place that we're in. And it's and it's awful and it's uncertain. And, and arguably, they have been working probably without pay to get the project up and, you know, up and running and off the ground and, and are now kind of left with nothing. So I think, it, it as Charlotte says, it will definitely be a scrabble of uh, <laughs> who's going <laughs> to, who's going to, um, who's going to succeed in the produce the hunger games of getting their project greenlit interesting i know people will worry people will worry that the productions will never come back but they will come back and i know people have been like but then the uk won't be somewhere that people want to come i mean netflix has is you know they've spent a lot of money here um, building studios you know i I don't think they're going to disappear anytime soon there will be casualties of things that might not go when we thought they were going to go and as molly said you know they might have missed their window but they will come back and i i think that what will happen is that productions that literally shut down were in the middle you know like deadpool like that or mission impossible or you know things like that which literally the minute that stri- that strike stops they will go straight back up it the problem is is the ones that were slated to go mm-hmm. which is the Dying. problem so i think we've got an uneasy time ahead of us for a few months and it's just how we weather it and how we steer through it you know I know that Beck 2 have been trying to put pressure on productions to to pay people retainers you can imagine that's not that's met on deaf ears but I think they want to put more pressure um, regarding that and just talking about the sort of protection for crew when things like this happen and how do we maybe safeguard us a little bit? We're never we're freelance, so you're never going to be completely guarded. But maybe there could be something, and maybe this is a look at how we do that and how we perhaps safeguard our futures a little bit more. I one don't know the, exactly, but I know that you're looking at that. Um, I was just going to say as well, I think one of the biggest clear differences between the union structure in the States and the union structure in the UK is that because they have such a huge membership, they have funds to help finance their members through this time. And we do not. And I think... Because they have been union and we don't. Yeah. And I think perhaps... That's a conversation that that we should be having because that would be part of the safeguarding. You know, we've mm-hmm. we've heard a lot about uh, the top end actors have been putting millions of dollars into the SAG relief fund to help protect the actors. You, I, I'm obviously I can't speak on how what that actually means, means. and how helpful that is, and and you know, but that 
I think it's very, very scary for UK crew to hear or to read in in the in the uh, industry press, you know, oh, yeah, well, we financed it out. We can wait it out till 2024. Well, yeah. none of us yeah. can. Yeah. And I think I think it's also understanding that that's negotiation tactics as well. There's a lot of talk on both sides which is to rile the other side up and to kind of get people on board or not, or, you know, and it's, it's sort of trying to second guess and, and, and navigate our way through what's actually truth and, and what isn't, because I'm pretty sure that nobody wants to not work until 2024 and nobody is going to be financially thrilled about not working until then either so I think I think as with anything you have to kind of read as much as possible from a variety of sources to try and kind of get (laughs) get a bit more truth than just kind of reading a headline that says well we we're prepared to strike for three years it's like well okay of course everybody needs to kind of believe that and understand that and be motivated by that but the reality is really frightening if you're not actually part of it as well and I think that's something that we're struggling with in the UK so I think as much kind of communication that we can provide is sort of what's the most helpful thing that that we can kind of do at this time I suppose. It's the powerlessness of us being here which is why I think the as Molly says trying to find the sources you know it's like following Sagaf on on um Instagram and it's following people that are directly part of it the WGA get a bit more information which is what I've tried to do so that at least you're like you can hear stuff I mean I mean I emailed the union and said you know what can I just say what are you doing so that we know what's happening I mean they have a permanent dialogue with SAG, Equity, IATSE, and all of those people. And they've been talking to them about the impact rather that because they're not in negotiation, they can't, we're powerless to have any force in the negotiation, which I think people find really frustrating here. But there's a dialogue that goes on. And I know that they're, they're trying to push forward with that and having, and, and I've met people from IATSE and people have come over to here in, you know, to the Beck to conference and, I think people, I think when, when Molly says you feel like there's nothing going on, I think more goes on that we just don't know about it. So much is is embargoed and so much, you know, no, we're not allowed to talk about our negotiations while we're in them either. And I think it's exactly that, Charlotte. It's really, really frustrates people that, that they don't know and that the optics are that nothing's happening. But of course, things are happening and people are talking all the time. And I think that's something I kind of learned through our negotiations for the TV drama agreement is, you know, both sides talk to each other all the time. Everyone does want a resolution. That That's the thing. And I think it's just believing and 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 also making sure that that what we're listening to and what we're hearing keeps the crew supporting the other crew and the other creatives and the other talent because we do support them because we're all so intrinsically linked and it's got to be about our kind of rights and our creative rights especially I think being kind of abused we saw it it's still it's still a thing in the music industry. Mu- you know, streaming. music artists still are having discussions about streaming, and essentially, 
that's what's happened to the, the the landscape of TV. It's exactly the same thing. And people aren't being remunerated for their work properly. Both of you mentioned actually about the Bechtu negotiations that went on with PACT about the TV agreement. And I think the big sticking point from what I recall was the pre and post wrap. Could you guys just briefly explain, I guess, just for people listening to have a bit of a context is how, because that didn't come to strikes. Um, Obviously, this is this has taken a slightly different turn, but how do you sort of begin negotiations and is it as amicable or is it, is it very kind of hostile? What's the process behind it and how do you enter into those conversations? It's very long. <laughs> very long. <laughs> People have long. different techniques as well. I it's been going on a long time. Put it into context, the TV drama negotiations have gone on for years. Right. Um, with the prep and wrap, which we, let's call it what it is, you know, it's going. it goes back to the 90s late 80s early 90s when you know the unions lost their started to lose they lost their power they lost their membership and uh the film and television industry was just at an absolute low like when I went into the industry in 92 yes a long time ago um there was nothing there was absolutely nothing there was no protection there was there was no work so what people were doing before I started people would literally just going in and just making stuff. And I think our department, for one, was just abused. And it happened before we started. So we have had to try and pull it back. So people, I mean, when I started, it was it was accepted. You did an hour and a half before call. That was just what you did, <laughs> which is not good. Um, that's just no. film, television, anything. Yeah. And then years went on. It's been a constant as you know, with with the costume department and the other departments that go with us, like locations, ADs and hair and makeup, prep and wrap has been the biggest problem, the biggest stake in our heart since the dawn of time. It's huge. So the film negotiations were the ones that went first and television and then film was sort of, I mean, I know it's not perfect, the fact it's on 30 million over and it's 30-30, so you do 30 minutes before call or 30 minutes after call, after. after wrap rolled up into your rate not perfect but it was a darn sight better than what it was an improvement it, we don't like it because it's no it, there's a lack of parity with the, with the branches of, I mean you know it works at the moment so television came along and first of all when prep and wrap was mentioned the producers said we're going to get up and walk out the room if we're going to talk about this it's off the table and there weren't enough people in the room to fight it we had one person from costume who was brilliant but there's only so much she could do so that was a few years ago now and then it came up again of course when the television drama agreement was literally just not working at all and everybody voted to 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 end it so we went into negotiations again this was when we were going in with 30 30 we were like all right let's just match the film agreement and they said no uh they wanted to do it as it's now currently being worked, that you walk in the door and that's when your time starts. But that certain departments will work an additional contracted hour, ACH for short, that would cover prep and wrap. But instead of working it before call and after call, you start you start from the minute you walk through the door. So you can then go into overtime at a different time to other people. Because say if you've come in at half past six you'll be going into overtime quicker than actually the camera department because you'll have already done your hour. But if you haven't done your prep, you know, you've come in sort of quite 
almost at call and they go into camera overtime, then you could possibly be doing camera overtime, what deemed to be single time. So there's a problem there. So it's you you then got to work your hour in order to get your overtime. So it can it seems to people a little bit more complicated, but it's actually worked almost the same as the APA, which is the advertising commercials way. Not quite the same because in commercials you are all equal. Every department does the same and you oh, go yeah. into overtime at the same point. We've still got the problem in that we've got these certain departments that still have to work this additional hour at single time, not time and a half. But up until this point, they weren't being paid for it at all. So it's a sort of it's a move in the right direction, but it's not exactly where we want to be. But that that's sort of where the pressure. But remember, camera props sound they do not do this prep and wrap so they can't understand why we've ever done it because they never let it go in the first place we had already lost it before any of us started in this career so we had much further to come than camera or sparks who literally are sort of holding on to what they already have we were trying to bring it back from sort of over here to here people still feel it's unfair but we've come a long way baby as fat boy slim would say but we haven't just got there yet, but we, we're getting there. I think it's a really good example of um, a negotiation, actually, that, that one point is that, you, you know, we've, we've got it somewhere. And now the next time that this agreement uh, goes back into negotiations, then we've got something to negotiate from. So now we want parity, whether that's time parity or overtime rate parity or whatever it is, but there's a discussion to be had because we've actually got something written down that has been agreed, you know, and uh, it's a good example because that's not what we want for our members. We don't want everyone in costume to be paid 0.5 less for one hour a day than all the other crew. We didn't go into negotiations wanting that for our members, but what we're doing is trying because also there's a lot of other points for other branches and other departments that need to be met. So it's give or take, you know, across the board. And it's really, really complex. It's not as simple maybe as it, as it seems. And I think You know, as I said earlier, I think one of the things whereby because you can't talk about the negotiations, what you can't talk about what's being discussed in the room while you're discussing it in the room, you can't give context to the members either about why these decisions are actually successful rather than, you know, oh, oh, great. Well, you know, this is this. But it's a balancing act of everybody's needs, I think. Yeah, it's it's really interesting actually because I was talking to someone about unionization and they were fairly anti-union. Um, but I said actually, you people generally ha- historically and now benefit from the fight that they have fought, whether you realize or not. For example, when it comes to you know a fair wage, you know maternity leave, sick pay, all these things at some point that you will touch upon, that you will need some assistance somewhere along the line. It has been someone else that's fought this fight, and they haven't got exactly what you may need at the point, but it's just like you said, it's a starting point. And I do think that it's something that we can sometimes take for granted. I think that's absolutely right, and I think it goes back to something Charlotte was saying right at the beginning when people kind of don't really understand what a union is and it's like well you're the, we're the union you're the union we should yeah. all be the union and every single person working in tv and film benefits from the work that the union does whether they're in it or not 
And that's the main difference between us and the US because everyone benefits from it and everyone is in it. Whereas in the UK, there's a lot of, well, what's Beck 2 ever done for me? A lot, actually, because those, you know, those agreements that we have with PACT are the minimum terms that somebody should be working to. So therefore, everybody can negotiate themselves better terms, but no one should be working for lesser terms than we've agreed in that agreement. And that is a benefit. And it might not benefit you if you only work in very high end productions, but it really benefits people coming into the industry, people working on lower budget, people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, people who don't understand the process when they come into the union. It benefits every single one of those people. And it does benefit you whatever level you work at because you have a starting point of which to negotiate from and your terms are better than they are without without that base level. Yeah, I completely agree. If anyone does need any support or um, advice, where would they, how do they contact Beck2? Well, there's a couple of places really, because also we should point out that if people are wanting some financial help, I know there's not an awful lot out there and people will think about universal credit, but there's the film and TV charity who uh, are an amazing um, organization and they will they have been giving grants that are they're called the I think they're called a stopgap grant and they get okay. up to up to 750 pounds I know it's not masses but it's something, something yeah. and you can phone them up um, or you can do it on the live chat on the website and they also have a support uh one-to-one support and they are really good okay. um so they are filmtvcharity.org.uk and you can call them on 0800 054 0000 000, and they are fantastic and they are connected to Beck2 they there's an affiliation uh Beck2 it's beck2.org I think but also we have a costume website Beck2 costume so um you can always get hold of us through that and we can dial anything up to the union and you can join through our website and also, I mean, I'd say the main back to website, yeah, it's a little clunky and there's been a lot of discussion about that, but you can find resources on there. But any problems, I would just email us. Okay. We're back to costume wardrobe at gmail.com. Wardrobe. Okay, thank you. I'll, I'll link all that in the notes. The, lots of the branches have Instagram pages as well. So if you're props or if you're lighting or camera, then, you know, you can, you can get to your specific branch quite easily through Instagram. We've all kind of sort of branched off a little bit to make accessibility a bit easier. <laughs> but we're visual. We like, we like a visual picture. So, you know, we're at Beck2 Costume. And then if anybody is desperate for something to do and they they can manage screen skills also offer a lot of free training uh, online and they also offer bursaries to help people in their careers not that there's a lot of career to be had at the second but they are amazing and there are lots of things you can learn on there so they are worth looking at their screenskills.com i think .org. i can't remember is there anything else that you would like to add or share with people I think the most important thing is that we really do understand this. I mean, we're on the committee for, for the union, but we are also costume workers and we really understand how hard it is. And we would hate for anybody to be really suffering. So, you know, we, we can put people in touch with people. There are mental health help 
through the union and through film TV. So I think it's don't stay alone. You know, do do reach out, even if it's another member of costume um, or anyone, really. I think that's the most important because we I've read a lot of the answers from our survey and they're heartbreaking and they are. I think three months looks like the limit for people that they can cope with. Um, and I'd say that would be the same for me because my job was stopped. But we have to hang in there. I have been through this before, not because of a strike, but because of all sorts of other things. It does end. And I think it makes us think, oh, my God, I must save more. When we go back, maybe we just rethink our way of living and we rethink our way of, you know, perhaps support. You know, we think of some ideas as we were talking about trying to income support for people. So I think the union are thinking about that as well. Okay. I think we're going to be okay. It's just I think we, we, we've got some tricky times to to get through but we are there and you know we are very happy to help in any way we can even if it's just a vent (laughs) (laughs) thank you so I I think the the two things are kind of that everybody should keep talking to each other and also to try and remember the bigger picture as as well that that we will all benefit ultimately from from this and we need to help each other through it because it's really it's really horrendous and I think acknowledging that it's really really difficult and really hard is really important as well I think you know we can't dismiss how excruciating and worrying and you know difficult this is for people to navigate and yeah as Charlotte says anything that we can do to kind of help uh, there's there was a really good article interview with Spencer actually that went into Screen Daily this week I think oh, and yes, I, it was you know Spencer's great at kind of explaining things and talking about things as well and I think you know it was sort of saying there isn't anything to say but you know and I think sometimes just hearing someone acknowledge that it's affecting us is is important because up until up until that article came out actually I hadn't read anything that had even acknowledged that it affected the UK industry yeah. in the slightest and I think everyone was kind of like okay well I just got given a week's notice this isn't about Hollywood you, you know the other side of America and I think being able to kind of understand that it's or, or see that that our struggle is being acknowledged is really important as well. Thank you um, thank you Charlotte and thank you Molly for both taking the time to speak to me I really appreciate it and yeah hopefully yeah things there is a resolution that's what we can hope well, for. There but will it's been be really- a resolution we just don't know what it is and when it is but when there will is. be one. There yeah, will be there an will end be. and yeah it's just been really informative to speak to you both and understand a bit more um, about BEC2 as a union what it involves and kind of what's going on on the other side of the pond as well Um, so thank you I really appreciate it thank you for listening and I hope you found my conversation with Charlotte and Molly interesting and useful and if you get a moment could you please like follow or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the crew chats podcast on Instagram thank you